Hi, I'm Ben. And I'm Lucas. And this is Slightly Qualified Film Students, the podcast to catch up on all your film nerd commentary. Join Ben and I each week as we discuss all things film. We are Slightly Qualified Film Students. Hello, Hello. everybody. Welcome Welcome back back. to another episode, and we are just going to dive right into it today. You know the drill by now. We're into our... We've got our routine down. Top 100. Today, we are hopping into numbers 80 to 71. Mm -hmm. Um, We're getting up there. Movies are getting better. Moving along (laughs) here um let's just let's just hop right into it today yeah okay i can start it off i'll start it off with uh with my 80th favorite film of all time a film i saw about a month ago like right before school started at the rio so first time seeing it in theaters dazed and confused the richard linklater movie this right here is just the quintessential high school movie of the 90s and I did not experience high school in the 90s, obviously. I wasn't alive yet. But, or sorry, in the 70s, I mean. The movie came out in the 90s. Um, mm-hmm. But just the vibe, it's hilarious. The characters, I mean, you can obviously go on and on about Matthew McConaughey's iconic uh, character as Wooderson in this movie, who just has some of the craziest one-liners of all time that would not fly today. Oh, um, right, right, right. All right. Um, yeah, but the characters are all so funny in this. I love Mitch. He he's just such a he's such a lovable guy. Um, and of course, gotta love Pink too. And yeah, not much else to say. This movie's hilarious. It's feel good. It's it's a great watch. I'll definitely be rewatching it soon. Group of friends, if you can, if a theater's playing it, I recommend you see it in a theater full of a laughing audience because it definitely improves the experience um but yeah if you ever need something for some laughs throw it on i will be talking about this film much later on in my list um this is one of the few dvds i brought with me out (laughs) to uh nice the eastern canada um Mm. yeah dazed and confused absolutely love that movie um, okay, my 80th film is pretty, pretty, like, you know, it's on everyone's top 100 li- Well, not everyone's, but it's on all the massive ones. It yeah. is The Shawshank Redemption. Now... Yeah, it's not I on mean, mine, but it's definitely on there, a lot is, of people's. This is number one on IMDb. Um, right. It's, it's... It's a pretty renowned. It's number film. ten on Letterboxd. So yeah, I mean, this is this is a big movie. Everyone likes this movie. That being said, I haven't seen it in a really long time, but like, it's 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 a really good movie. Like, what can you say? It's the mm-hmm. Shawshank Redemption. Like, it's one of the greatest films of the '90s. I mean, probably the best Stephen King adaptation ever. Um, I mean, I think you could argue a couple, like you could argue the shining, you could argue you could. the green mile, but I feel yeah. like Shawshank is uh pretty much 
well recognized as the best and everyone just you know everyone everyone likes the Shawshank Redemption I don't know someone who says that they don't like Shawshank I mean I know some people are like it's not the greatest movie of all time which it's not uh, I'm definitely in that camp not yeah. the greatest but it's, it's still an essential movie that needs yeah. to be seen it's definitely not a bad movie I don't no. know anyone <laughs> who thinks it's a bad movie it's That's yeah not a good take <laughs> Um, yeah, okay. Well, number 79 on my list is, uh, it's a recent movie, Under the Silver Lake, by mm. David Robert Mitchell, starring, uh, Andrew Garfield. This is a super weird movie. Um, it's, it's like the Mulholland Drive of the late 2010s. It's, it's a trippy, surreal like neo noir type movie in LA um starring just this 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 absolute just I don't even know what to call him. Andrew Garfield just plays this like washed up drifter character and he does it so well and it's a role that's like so kind of strange for Andrew Garfield in a way. Um yeah but he kills it. I mean, he's just hilarious in this movie. And I think I definitely like this movie less upon seeing a movie like Mulholland Drive because I feel like that movie just executes the vibe way better than this movie. But I still appreciate just how outright interesting and crazy this plot is. Um, and of course, it's A24, so, you know. It's, it's going to be out there. It's going to be weird. Uh, but yeah, I'd highly recommend this one for anyone who likes something a little offbeat. Um, True. If you're into the weirder sort of indie movies, check out Under the Silver Lake. Or if you like Andrew Garfield, you'll probably that's like this one, one. That's one of those films I've been meaning to rewatch for a really long time. Yeah, I, I've um, seen it twice. It's definitely I feel like, interesting. I feel like that's one of your hotter takes when it comes to your top yeah, 100. It, it definitely is. This is not a very... 58% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's a yeah. 3.5 on Letterboxd. <laughs> it's not like a critically acclaimed film. I feel no. like it's a very divisive film. But that's... I feel like the thing is, is it's just... It's it's so weird, and the payoff is not like Mahan Drive. When it finishes, you don't think, wow, I just figured out this crazy, surreal movie. You're like, that kind of was just nothing. But I think if you just go with it and you revel yeah. in the weirdness... You'll enjoy it a lot. Dude, the the scene with the like um, music producer, the composer. Yeah. That's one We're, of my yeah. favorite scenes of all time. I love it's that It's a crazy so good scene. I love um, this movie. I think it's I so mean, cool. I'm on the side that likes this film. I have it at four stars, so it, I got to rewatch it, though. I haven't seen this in a really long... I, I haven't seen it since, like I feel like, the year it came out. But, right. Um, yeah. Okay. Number 79 for me. Um, great coming of age film. Um, actually, it's not really. It's sort of a coming of age film. It's more like a feel good movie. Hey, Little Miss Sunshine. Um, mm. this is a film that's. I guess. I mean, it's a big part of my childhood. I watched this film at a pretty young age, and I feel like, um, it's one of those films that has a lot of nostalgia for me. But it's also just an all-around really, really good movie. It has incredible performances. 
a great child performance, but also just a phenomenal like cast surrounding that yeah. young girl. Steve Carell absolutely kills it once again in a dramatic role. This man, I know everyone thinks Michael Scott from The Office, which yes, I do too, but Steve Carell has range, people. He can do drama. <laughs> he definitely has range. Um, Little Miss Sunshine, I mean, he plays a suicidal gay man, so it's it's a really incredible role for him. I, I have Fox yet Catcher to too. watch this movie. I need to see it. Yeah, it's a great movie. This is like Paul Dano's <laughs> breakout role too. He, abs- he is... Right so good in this movie tony collette per usual alan arkin plays the hilarious tony grandfather is a phenomenal actress she needs phenomenal to be cast actress in more things still so angry she didn't get nominated for hereditary because 2018 was a god-awful year for film so she should have been nominated definitely should have been nominated um yeah the little miss sunshine amazing feel-good movie you know if you feel like crying if you feel like laughing if you just want to like you know just watch a good movie. Throw on Little Miss Sunshine. It's a great watch. There you go. Number uh, number 78 for me is uh, The Player by Robert Altman. And uh, this, is, this is the only Robert Altman film I've ever seen. And I have to say that I am absolutely in love with his style. This, this is a very meta movie. It's about a Hollywood executive who is getting death threats from a writer uh, whose script he rejected because he, you know, reads a bunch of scripts every day and he basically decides which ones are going to be made into big blockbuster movies. And Mm -hmm. he doesn't know which writer it is and he just gets these death threats, gets these death threats and, you know, he's just out here trying to make as much money as he can in the industry. And I'm not going to spoil the movie, but I'll just say that it's a very meta movie almost think like adaptation but a little different uh in the sense that kind of the movie that you're watching is also a movie that he's like involved in i guess it's it's very strange um but it stars tim robbins and this is like early 90s tim robbins so this is you know shosh pre-shawshank tim robbins sure sure. um peak tim robbins if you ask me (laughs) Uh, and it's just a really offbeat movie. It Whoopi Goldberg is in this, and she's incredible. She's like a <laughs> detective, nice. um, and she's hilarious. She she just is a total badass, and it's really awesome. And yeah, this this movie, if you've seen Robert Altman movies, it's definitely a must watch. But yeah, it's just a, it's hilarious too, and I really got to see more of his work because, you know, this movie is so interesting and so good, and I just want to watch as many of his movies as i can because hopefully they're something like this fair enough um okay my 78th favorite movie is uh possibly the most critically acclaimed film of all time in recent years at least uh it's the greatest film according to letterboxd and that movie is parasite (laughs) um obviously the first international film to ever win best picture that was huge mm-hmm. when that happened um, and well deserving well deserving definitely it's definitely the best film to come out of um actually wait i have i have a couple films actually higher than this from 2020 from 2019. 2019 but um 
I do think when it comes to best picture, it's the best all around film. So I agree with its best picture win. But I am one of those few people on Letterboxd that don't have it at five stars, but have it at four and a half. Um, yeah, same, same here. Which is it's which not is perfect. odd because uh, eight hundred and nineteen thousand people have it at five stars, and then it <laughs> drops all the way to two hundred and fifty thousand people at four and a half. So it's we're, really we're the weird ones here. Yeah, apparently. Um, I feel like but, we're just hard hard on movies. Not a yeah. lot of movies get five hey, stars. Hey, this would have been a five star movie for me if the last ten minutes were an absolute garbage. But that's um, very fact. I, I hate the ending. If you want to listen to my opinions on Parasite, yeah, this, this was, was the, the actually first the first episode, first episode. We ever did. We covered Parasite, and I went on a major rant about the ending. So if you want to hear about that, go listen to that podcast. Um, since we've already talked about this, I won't go into it that much. But hey, it's Parasite. Everyone has seen it that I know of. It's a yeah. really good movie. It's revolutionary to a certain extent on how I feel like if it wasn't for Parasite international films wouldn't be getting the same uh reception that they get now even just like drive my car game nominated for best picture last yeah. year that, you know like who that. knows if that would even happen without parasite yeah you know i feel what like, I mean? parasite like parasite really paved totally yeah totally paved the way and bong joon ho i mean what a legend you, even just his speech saying like oh <laughs> you can reach so much other cinema i will just, drink like, to morning now <laughs> Just, just read just read if you can read you can watch so many more movies because there is such a crazy amount of films amazing films out there that aren't from the states so you know, absolutely i mean if you're movie. only watching american-made movies you are completely you're like, missing out limiting. of you know 80 percent of the other films made worldwide like only it i mean yes hollywood is probably the biggest or guess like popular film industry but yeah i mean there's it's still just a fraction of all the other films that are getting it's like if you only ate food that came out of north america you're it's not like you're gonna die like you're you could still still eat a ton of food but you're just limiting yeah your full potential (laughs) yeah exactly parasite great movie yeah influential um, okay, number 77 for me is, I believe, the second Kurosawa of many on my list. Let me tell you, there will be a lot of Kurosawa movies coming up in my top 100. <laughs> um, and this one is called Yojimbo, and it's actually the first of a sequel. Well, there's a sequel to it that came out the same year, I believe, kind of like Kill Bill style. Uh, right. And that movie was on my top 100 for a while, but it actually got booted out recently. So only Yo Jimbo is on my top 100 list. Uh, but basically, this movie is about this masterless samurai, uh, which is like a common theme among old Japanese movies. You got the samurai who's just kind of wandering around. He en- he's, he get- ends up in this village, and basically there's two rival uh, businessmen in this town. Um, one owns all the sake and the other owns all the rice. <laughs> and basically they ha- they're both struggling for control over like the gambling trade in the town, the two businessmen. And basically whoever controls that controls the town, yada, yada, yada. And basically this samurai plays both sides into like this full scale gang war 
and he's just kind of like playing both sides and then they end up you know taking each other out and the town is saved from you know all the nefarious activities it's a very simple plot but it's done super well directed by the master it stars both Tatsuya Nakadai and Toshiro Mifun who are both kind of you know they would trade places starring in Kurosawa movies um and very rarely were they in the same one they kind of had some beef so for them to basically play the good guy and the bad guy is kind of all time it's like the Christian Bale Heath Ledger Batman movie you know it's like the two forces just join together and it ends up being amazing uh so yeah yo Jimbo if you want to see just a good samurai movie that's actually hilarious this movie this movie will have you laughing that's not very common for kurosawa movies but this movie's funny um and yeah if you want to see a good funny samurai movie check out yojimbo it's pretty short it's like less than two hours which is also not common for kurosawa um yeah it's it's pretty awesome sweet okay well my number 77th film film we recently saw a film that ben has already mentioned a couple times in this episode Mulholland Drive. Oh, yes. Lucas Um, and I did, in fact, watch this together. And what was her name? (laughs) Rebecca Del Rio. Rebecca Del Rio performed live in front of us prior to the viewing of the the film, which was was actually pretty crazy. It's pretty cool. I Um, mean, she did. Her set was maybe a little long. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You know. But, you know, there was like a motion there. She seemed like a cool. Yeah, cool no. woman, Super and cool. uh, she she sang the song she sings in Mulholland Drive, and um, and look, this movie is it's pretty <laughs> awesome. Like it's an awesome yeah. movie. I mean, Come on. I'm really excited to watch this again in a few weeks That's... in my film class. Um, oh yeah, nice. It's scheduled. Um, and yeah, it's it's like it's david lynch it was my actually it wasn't my introduction to david lynch my introduction to david lynch was wild at heart which was a weird introduction <laughs> to david lynch but that's that's good i feel like this was my first um big time david lynch movie uh mm-hmm. it's i don't really know how to describe Mulholland drive it's one of those movies you just have to see and i'm really glad that when i saw it finally even though it had been on my watch list for forever. Like, it was number one on my watch list for the last, like, four years. Um, I still didn't really know anything about it going into it. I I actually didn't know anything. I didn't know any mm. bit of the story at all. I just knew the poster and the name. Um, so it was a really great viewing experience. It's one of those films where you really have to think hard and try and figure out what's going on. It has a great ending, great plot twist. Um, Amazing twist. And great central performances and just overall, like, everything about the film is just executed so well. Um, and yeah, so good. 77th favorite movie of all time. Uh, it's it's actually, like, grown on me quite a bit since I first watched it. I feel like it was more in, like, the 90s when I first watched it, but it's it's right. it's bounced its way up, and I feel like it will probably bounce its way up even higher upon rewatch. There you go. Yeah, I love Mahan Drive. It's it's very high on my list, so you'll hear me talk about it in a couple weeks probably. Uh, but for number 76, I have another Jim Jarmusch movie, 
Not the last, though. Uh, Ghost Dog, Way of the Samurai. Hmm. Um, and this movie, it might not be the most accurately placed movie because I haven't seen it in about five or six years. Um, I watched it. This is one of my dad's favorite movies, and I watched it with him, I think, either in grade seven or grade eight, so a long time ago. Um, but all you really need to know about Ghost Dog is that this is a modern-day samurai movie, so instead of taking place in feudal Japan, it takes place in late 90s New York uh, <laughs> and replaced Toshiro Mifune with Forrest Whitaker and replaced his sword with a silenced pistol, and you have Ghost Dog. Um, nice. And he basically just follows the Harakiri, which is, like, if you don't know, that's like the the book, the samurai code, pretty much. So, like, you know, honor... Uh, respect, that kind of thing. So he conducts himself like a samurai, except he's just killing, like, mobsters in New York. Um, And, I mean, it's a pretty basic movie. Like, it's just like all those other Kurosawa movies. It's pretty simple, executed well. Jarmusch proves he can make a samurai movie, and then a couple years later, Tarantino proved he could do it too. Uh, and yeah, the last cool thing I have to say about this movie, which is the one part that I really remember, is that this movie is entirely scored by RZA from Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> um, so, and he's also in it. So basically this whole movie, if you like Wu-Tang, this whole movie is scored by the guy who is one of the main members of Wu-Tang. So it's pretty true to New York, you could say. Um, but yeah, I'd highly recommend checking this one out. And I'm going to rewatch this one as soon as possible. I have it on DVD. I need to rewatch it because I haven't seen it mm. in like five years and I love it. Yeah. I feel like I've heard Ben talk about this movie for such a long time and I still haven't watched it. Yeah. Um, okay. My next film is another film Ben has mentioned a couple times on this podcast. <laughs> is my favorite movie upon my Nicolas Cage binge prior to uh-huh. The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, and that movie is Adaptation. Um, <laughs> nice. I, I love this movie so much. Like, it is one Charlie of Charlie Kaufman is a genius. Yeah, he really is, but this... It, it, it feels so different than other Charlie Kaufman films. Um, because, at its root, it's a comedy. I mean, it's it's a hilarious movie. It's so funny. This film had me, like, out loud laughing, which is rare for me. I don't laugh out loud very often watching movies. Um, I mean, obviously, Meryl Streep is great. Nick Cage is in his prime here. Like, this is one of Nick Cage's best performances, (laughs) in my opinion. Um, It's so good. And, like, it's, like, the entire concept is crazy and amazing and super meta as Charlie Kaufman always is. And then it's directed by Spike Jones who directed one of my all time favorite movies. We'll get there, but also obviously being John Malkovich and, um, the Jackass movies. So there you go. Yeah. But Spike, Spike Jones, Jones is a legend. He is an incredible director. I absolutely love his style of filmmaking. He has a very like specific kind of like dreamlike, melancholy style to the way he films his movies um and i I just really vibe with it um but adaptation is one of the funniest movies out there i highly recommend it it's like the perfect comedy movie for anyone 
who is like pretentious and loves film nerd stuff because it's like a super yes. meta pretentious movie but at the same time it's like a late night comedy mixed together and it's wonderful and it's a Nick Cage movie. You get double Nick Cage in this movie cuz he places twin also. So it's, there you go. It's super Nick Cage it's, and it's, it's super so Charlie Kaufman because he's playing Charlie Kaufman too. It's like yeah. You get double Nick Cage playing Charlie Kaufman in a fictional biopic about himself writing adaptation. It's wonderful. It's an amazing <laughs> it's, movie. It's really wonderful. Um, I actually have the script printed out in like a book form, and I'm studying it in like two weeks in my screenwriting class. So that's, you might that's hear awesome. me talk about that movie even more. Um, <laughs> but for now, I'll leave it. It's not in my top 100, but it's close. Um, my number 75 film on my list is another Kubrick movie, Paths of Glory. Uh, this mm. is some early Kubrick this is 50s Kubrick, um, and this just might be one of, if not the best, anti-war movie I have ever seen. True. Um, I haven't seen I watched it about two years ago, and it has just stuck with me as having one of the best performances of all time, Kirk Douglas as Colonel Dax, um, one of... Uh, he, he plays this, this officer who's basically, okay, the plot of the movie is these soldiers in Britain in World War One, or maybe it's World War II, I actually forget, are basically sent to take this impossible fort, and they know that they have no chance of taking it, and that if they go on this mission, they're gonna die, um, but, you know, the general says you have to do it, uh, and so they do it, and obviously they all get killed. Because it's impossible, and they knew they couldn't take it. And then there's basically three guys left, and they decide, okay, this is stupid, and they run away, and they desert. And the movie then switches into this courtroom drama, basically the trial of these three men who ran away from this impossible mission, and Kirk Douglas plays their commanding officer who's defending them, basically saying human life is, like, obviously more important than just trying to get a victory uh and i won't tell you how the trial ends because that's obviously the genius of kubrick um but yeah check this one out it's amazing it totally stands the test of time incredible performances and just a beast of a movie sweet and it's only like an hour and 20 minutes yeah so. that's true short run <laughs> yeah um okay Next film was actually the film we were supposed to review, and then we like just didn't and didn't do the podcast for a while. Um, oh. and that's the Tree of Life. Oh, and that's funny because we recorded that episode, I believe. Did, Did we? we? I don't think we actually recorded. Okay, definitely... I don't think we recorded. No, we, we like, recorded the Halloween it. special. True, which I'll release. I mean, I'll release okay. it this Halloween. That's um, what I'll do. But we prepped for it. I had like a bunch of notes on it. And then we never did it. Yeah, same. <laughs> we never talked about True Blood. But, um, yeah, it was a great movie. Uh, really glad yeah, it was really good. I did watch it. It sent me into, like, an existential crisis. Um, it's a really strange movie. It's an experimental film, technically. It's like an epic experimental film. Yeah, it's so Absolutely weird. gorgeous visuals from uh, the man himself, Emmanuel Lubezki, um, Terrence Malick. 
great director. I mean, this this is a really weird film to talk about too, because it's it doesn't really have a cohesive story. Um, oh. It's it's all about like interpreting the world around us, interpreting growing up. Um, what is like? What is the meaning of life? Uh, it's a very philosophical film, very experimental, yeah. has a lot and of And it like, does not answer those questions. No, it doesn't. It just poses it's, them and yeah. lets you think about and them. And then it makes you like feel really, really weird about your life and your life. <laughs> you start contemplating everything you've ever known. Um, yeah. I mean, the final like scene of Sean Penn just like walking through those like caverns and then on the beach and stuff is like absolutely stunning and yeah just i had it in my notes but sean penn essentially got paid to walk around and look confused for this movie he's in it for like 15 minutes and he i don't think like correct me if i'm wrong but i'm not even sure he says anything in the whole movie he just kind of walks around (laughs) although a lot of them don't say much like i feel like jessica chastain's the only person who really has dialogue in this movie yeah. Even Brad Pitt yeah, just even like Brad walks Pitt around and doesn't do much. Like hits hits stuff. Yeah, this is a film that um if you're not into film in like the sense of film, um you won't like this movie. It's very pretentious. It's very artsy. It is like Yeah. It's an experimental film and I usually hate experimental films, but that's because they're done in a cheap like student film sort of way. This is a really, really well done film yeah. that poses a lot of questions and um, really, really makes you think and analyze your life. And I would suggest watching this film if you feel like getting into a philosophical argument with your own brain. So, The Tree of Life. Yeah. Great movie. Great movie. Okay. Number 74 on my list is Do the Right Thing by Spike Lee. Uh what can be said about this movie that hasn't already be said, been classic. said? Classic. I mean, this movie is an absolute classic, uh, an absolute inspiration to me as well in terms of indie movies. I mean, this is just pure genius right here. Spike Lee directs this the shit out of this movie. It's so yeah. perfectly done has some incredible performances from Danny Aiolo. I have no idea how to say his name, but the guy from The Godfather Part 2, the guy from Leon the Professional, yada, yada, yada. Um, Yeah, he's in this movie. He's incredible playing the racist pizza, Mm -hmm. pizzeria owner. And this whole movie just takes place over one day on this one street in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, and it's just this this guy, he goes into this pizza, this pizzeria, and the wall of fame on the pizzeria's wall only has Italian actors. And he's, this guy bugging out um, is like, hey, this pizzeria is in a black neighborhood. Why don't you showcase some black actors? And obviously this starts the argument and uh, the wall kind of becomes this metaphor and uh, the rest of the movie plays out and I won't you know, spoil anything, but it features some incredible performances. One from one of my favorite actors, John Turturro, pre Coen brothers, John Turturro. Um, and of course a great performance from Spike Lee himself, uh, (laughs) playing Mookie, who's one of my favorite characters ever. Um, yeah, I mean, this movie is hilarious. It's sad. It's so true. Um, 
and it's really just moving and inspiring and i would recommend everyone see this movie sweet okay next film on my list number 74 another film ben and i saw at the rio recently um Mm. the thing now oh yeah the thing (laughs) one of if not in my opinion the greatest horror movie out there i actually think i'm looking through my top 100 right now i'm pretty sure it is my highest ranked horror movie um straight horror i've got movie. some highly ranked horror movies on here i mean it depends like if you count american psycho yeah. or things like that as horror right um, right but look the thing is a horror masterpiece and i don't use the word masterpiece often um it is brilliantly crafted tense throughout amazing wintry atmosphere the puppeteer work in this film is absolutely phenomenal the animatronics um i mean just the the practical effects the the like gore and blood and just mutilating people and there's just so much happening in this film that's so disturbing yet also just so well done from a filmmaking perspective um the ending is awesome super tense mm. and i mean this is a film like yeah you, you watch this movie if you it's halloween time people it's october it's spooky season watch the thing if you haven't seen it because it is watch amazing it. and it will scare you just because it's old doesn't mean it's not scary it is yeah. scary yeah um okay number 73 on my list is marriage story um yes this might be one of the high it's definitely you know of the 2019 which was a great year it's up there um yeah this movie i've only seen it once which is like when it came out uh because i don't really need to see it again it made me cry enough the first time no we we watched it for the podcast though oh true okay so i've seen it twice there you go and you've probably already heard my thoughts on it so i'll keep it quick two incredible performances specifically adam driver gives just an insane performance noah bombeck absolutely love the guy um yeah i already talked about this a lot i guess on our podcast on it so marriage story number 73 on my list such a good movie um okay number 73 for me uh my favorite movie from last year, Drive My Car. Um, mm. This was just peak cinema last year. Absolutely yeah. incredible. I was so happy that it was like getting nominated for major award circuits. It was getting totally nominated for Best Picture. I was so hyped that Ryusuke Hamaguchi got nominated for Best Director. That was awesome. So well deserving. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think it got a screenplay nom too, and it won Best International Feature. So that was awesome. It's a definitely not an easy watch. It's three hours long. Um, <laughs> I saw it in theaters. Oh, you, you did yeah, too. Yeah, I did too. I did too at the yeah. screening, uh, or not, um, at the, what is that? What is that? The Park Theater. <laughs> the Park, yeah, at the Park Theater. Um yeah, it's super long, three hours. I'm really glad I saw it in the theater because I feel like my attention span might have uh, not been as good if I had just watched it 
in the comfort of my own home. Um, because being in the theater, I'm just like totally fully focused on the film for the entire three hours. And the three hours went by really quickly for me. I mean, the opening of this movie is like, I want to say half an hour, maybe yeah, longer. It's like 45 minutes yeah, and then the opening credits. Like play. the opening credits doesn't come on for the first 40 minutes of this movie. Like I just watched a movie that did that. Oh, what was it? Anyways, continue. I, yeah, I watched another movie from last or this year called Fresh that did that. Um, mm. The first 35 minutes and then the opening credits happened. I, was, I watched it the be day good. after. I watched it the day after Drive My Car and that was really trippy for me because I was like, that's yeah. two movies in a row that have had like Weird. 30 plus minute intros. But um, yeah, Drive My Car is an exceptional film. Uh, obviously, it's based off of... Um, blanking on the name uh haruki murakami's yeah short murakami's story. short story um which is awesome i was studying murakami last year in my english class and i really am drawn to his style of writing and it's similar with drive my car i'm really just drawn to like the overall tone of the film it's very melancholy kind of depressing but at the same time just like it's not like there's nothing really, really depressing about... I mean, there is, but, like, the story itself is just kind of, like, this simplistic glimpse-of-life story. But at the same time, it's just, like, you just feel so sad the entire time you're watching it. Like, I cried watching this movie. Like, there mm. are some moments where yeah, I cried. I and, teared up. Um, I, I, I know, in particular, the scene that, like... Ca like where I was like fully engaged and I was like damn this is an amazing movie it's the scene where he's in the car with the other actor who uh, eventually gets accused of murder and that he knows his wife was cheating on him with not spoil the whole movie for you but that's not really a spoiler it happens in the first like five minutes of the movie but um, that conversation between the two of them in the car where he's telling him the story that his wife told him and that entire scene yeah I like my focus went like straight to the screen. I wasn't thinking about anything else. It was like being hypnotized by a film. Like my, uh, it's one of those films where you come out of it and you have like that feeling wash over you where you're like, feel like you're in that world. It's kind of similar to what David Fincher does to you with his movies where you like kind of are in a trance after you watch the films because totally there's like a style and a way the camera moves where you just feel like you're in it. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, if you haven't seen drive my car yet, I know it's long. The runtime is definitely a little scary, but I highly, highly, highly recommend it's totally it worth it because it's totally worth it. Payoff's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Number 72 on my list is the first and I think the only Tarantino movie in Ooh. my top hundred and it's kill bill volume one. Wow. Um, kill bill is your favorite Tarantino movie. I think it just might be. Wow. And you know what's really funny is up until like a week and a half ago, I actually had this movie like way higher on my list. And then I watched a little movie called Lady Snowblood, which is a Japanese movie from the 70s. And I, I don't know how I didn't know this, but Kill Bill is like almost like shot for shot, like a remake of this movie. Um I won't say yeah. anything else because Lady Snowblood is in like my top 20 now because uh, it's awesome. <laughs> but what I will say about Kill Bill is that 
<laughs> I'm okay. What is there to say? About, everyone's seen Kill Bill. Um, I mean, I just think the reason I love this movie so much is just pure entertainment. I think that this is Tarantino doing Tarantino things at his peak. And the reason I think the first one is so much better than the second one is, yes, obviously the second one's essential, and without the second one, the first one wouldn't be as good. Uh, but just the way the action is directed in this movie is so incredible. Like, this movie has some, like, probably my all-time favorite fight scene, uh, the sequence between Lucy Liu and Uma Thurman is yeah. just incredible. Phenomenal. I yeah. mean, I can't even describe, like, I was just watching it. I rewatched it, like, a couple months ago, and I was just, like, in total awe of how Tarantino managed to, like, direct these action sequences because they're just next, 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 next level. I mean, I cannot remember the last time I saw an action movie that just had, like, it, it doesn't cover stuff up with edits. It doesn't look fake. It doesn't look corny. It's just awesome. Yeah, And that's all I really have to say about Kill Bill. And that's why the first one specifically is the one I really like. Because it's yeah. just like the setup. So there's no BS. It's just fighting for like two hours. Facts. And the animated sequence is like, oh, oh, the animated <laughs> sequence is so good. Dude, um, I haven't seen yeah. Kill Bill in forever. Kill Bill was my first tarantino movie i ever saw in like wow it's been a while man i feel like that was like grade six it's um it's been a really long time been a really long time i have it i think fifth i want to say it's ranked fifth on my tarantino list but then again i haven't seen it in a really really long time um yeah Kill Bill Volume 2, though, I'm not a huge fan of, not going to lie. It's still pretty good. I like yeah. it. I mean, yeah. Just compared to his other films, personally. It's yeah. his, my least favorite Tarantino film. Besides it's a Death Proof, movie. obviously. Death Proof yeah. is terrible. Absolute garbage movie. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. What, what number are we at here? Number 72. Number seventy-two. Okay, we're getting down to it right now. Uh, now we're now we're moving into like the greats, the greats here. This film uh, is a claymation. It's not the last claymation you'll see on my list because I absolutely love claymations. But this film is called Mary and Max, and mm. it stars the great late Philip Seymour Hoffman and Tony Collette. And this film is so damn good and no one talks about it um incredible claymation absolutely stunning visuals for claymation 2 it's shot in gorgeous gorgeous black and white with little bits of color here and there um i mean it's it's like it's terrifying and also super depressing uh it's this wonderful character study uh, it's based on a true story, too. Uh, and it's about basically this wow. young girl who uh, becomes pen pals with this uh, older, um, like, really obese man uh, with Asperger's uh, who lives, mm. like, f she's from Australia, I believe, and he's in New York. And basically, they 
start writing letters back and forth to each other in a completely non-creepy way. I know that sounds kind of weird because he's like old and she's like eight years old. But um, (laughs) it's like, it's beautiful. It's this beautiful story of these two people who kind of like help each other grow as individuals and they kind of help each other through all of their rough patches through life. And I'm not going to spoil the ending, but the ending is absolutely heart-wrenching. It is one of the saddest endings ever. Um, But this... This film is stylized so well. It's absolutely gorgeous. I highly, highly, highly recommend watching it. If you are anyone who enjoys claymation like I do, it is not a claymation for kids. I will say that it's, it's very, very dark and covers extremely heavy subject matter. But yeah, if you like claymations, especially ones that are like more for adults, which I love check Marion Max out. It's wonderful. Yeah, I have got to check that one out. It sounds so good. Um, And I'm also a fan of Claymation, so I'm excited to see it. Uh, Number 71, wrapping up this week's episode. Uh, This is a movie that's super, super important to me, and that's The Princess Bride. Uh, I mean, I'm not going (laughs) to lie. I have not seen this movie in, once again, like five or six years probably. Um, But let me tell you, I watched this movie like 20 times as a kid. I mean, I still have the Same. opening scene uh, of the kid being sick in bed and his grandpa comes to <laughs> tell him a story. Like, that scene is engraved in my mind permanently. Um, and, I mean, there's not much I have to say about this movie other than, like, <laughs> I, I, like, I, like I said, I have to rewatch it because I'm not sure if this is just my childhood brain, like, making me think it's this masterpiece when in, if I watched it now it isn't. But, like, just the scope the spectacle it's so amazing got some of the most quotable lines of all time um like in particular wallace sean just gives such a funny performance as um vizini like this movie's hilarious it's so heartwarming it's feel good it's it's a it's an adult fairy tale i guess you could say even though like i loved it as a kid yeah um, I haven't seen like, this movie in ages. I yeah, feel like, I, I don't know if so you remember long. this. I feel like the last time I watched this movie was, uh, at our friend Marshall's house. Like literally when we were like 10 years old, we had, a yeah, I definitely there. have seen it since then. But and I remember did. watching it there and I'm pretty sure that's the last time I've seen it, but it's so good. I lo- that was also my childhood. It's one of my mom's favorite movies. I watched it so many times as a kid, and I've been meaning to rewatch it for such a long time, and I still haven't. Um, mm-hmm. Great movie. Yeah. That scene traumatized me as a child. It it yo my yo real shit. My parents used to have to <laughs> skip that part, like, and they knew it too. Like, like I've only seen that scene like once probably because every time I would watch it as a kid, my parents would fast forward that, that part rat of the DVD. scene is traumatized. <laughs> is terrifying. Absolutely. It's terrifying. so scary. Um, yeah. yeah. Princess Bride legend. I mean, Rob Rayner is he's, a he's genius. One of the greatest directors. Legend. He's done. I mean, so whether many... it's, whether it's spinal tap when Harry met Sally, which yes. I still have to see stand by me, princess bride, or he he's does, acting he does in the Wolf genre. of Wall Street. I mean, he's a great actor too. He's a great character. <laughs> he's <actor>. so funny. <laughs> what a legend! Yeah, Princess uh, Bride wrapping yeah. up this week's list for me. Okay, my last of the list this week. 
huge movie. This is a giant, giant movie. It's one of those films that was on everyone's best film of the decade list when the 2010s wrapped up. And it is Christopher Nolan's arguably magnum opus, Inception. Um, mm. I mean... Good movie. Inception's a pretty good movie. It's, it's pretty good. Uh, I rewatched this a couple years ago in my philosophy class. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to say. It's Inception. Everyone's seen Inception. It's a great movie. Amazing concept. So original and cool and like just genius. The even concept that this came out of some dude's head onto a piece of paper is amazing. Um, it's pretty amazing. Great acting. I think this is one of Leonardo DiCaprio's greatest performances, honestly. I'm not a huge Leo boy, I'm going to be honest. I, I think he kind of does the same thing in every role he ever does, with exceptions. Obviously, there's exceptions. But usually, I feel like he does the same thing every time. Um, Inception, I don't know. He has so much emotion and heart in this movie. And even though he still yeah. is doing the Leo performance, it's like it's Leo his best Leo performance. Leo is the same character over and over again. He is. Besides, like, I, I would say The Revenant and What's Eating Gilbert Grape, are like the two films where he's not, but everything else, he's just Leo in a different costume. Um, but of yeah. the Leo performances, I think Inception's one of his best. Um, this isn't my favorite Nolan film. I have a couple higher up. I'm not a Nolan fanboy, I wouldn't say, but I did notice I have a lot of Nolan films in my top 100 because he's just made so many, like, huge scale, like... Nolan, huge yeah, scale. He's, a sp he's an interesting director. His movies are all somewhat thematically similar, but at the same time, like, they're all so wildly different, I feel like. With the exception of, like, Memento and Inception, I feel like yeah. those are pretty similar. Yeah, um, I mean, I have a couple higher up, but I love Inception. Great movie. But, yeah, that, that kind of wraps us up for this week. Yeah, this that was episode, a good week. Next week we'll be back at it with number 70 to 61. We promise we'll actually do it this time. This is where we ended off last last time. So yeah, we promise we'll finish. It only gets better from here. So only gets better. I got some big movies I gotta talk about pretty soon. Um, I got some strange movies I gotta talk about soon. <laughs> but yeah, we'll we'll have a question as always and a poll. So please answer below on Spotify. Um, and yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. There will be another episode out in a couple days or probably out already if you're listening to this later. Um, and once again, we're just going to talk about whatever we want to talk about. But yeah, thanks for listening to Slightly Qualified Film Students and we'll see, we'll see you around. Thank you for listening to Slightly Qualified Film Students. Make sure to tune in next week for a new film discussion and review. Our theme song is Slightly Sexy by Thompson Springs. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a like. Send us feedback and comments as well as your thoughts on the film. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at S underscore Q underscore F underscore S. If you would like to send us a question or a comment for next week's episode, you can email us at sqfilmstudents at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next week. Bye.